Let's get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion than he actually has cooking. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. That's right, third day of bonus content here on the Barbecue Central Show. You're home, you're chilling out, hopefully, keeping proper social distance, and why not give you a little bit something extra to consume? Not just on the food side, but in your ear holes, and that's why we're doing these bonus content shows. And today is very special to me because I have uh, two guys that I have been growing this podcast movement with over the past three or four years. It is the owner of Cali Comfort Barbecue, Sean Walcheff, and my pal and Cali Comfort's marketing manager, Stover Harger. CaliBBQ.media is the website. Otherwise, just Google Cali BBQ and then figure out where the hell you want to go from there. A lot of different places to go. Now, let's get the real life stuff out of the way first, Sean. Sam the Cooking Guy said yesterday that both of his restaurants he's associated with currently are shut down for the time being. What's the status of Cali Comfort Barbecue right now? Cali Comfort Barbecue is open for business. We are doing delivery through DoorDash. We will be adding Grubhub next week. We're in contract negotiation with Uber Eats. And we have a website um, which allows people to order online. We're taking phone-in orders. Our bar is closed. Our restaurant is closed. And that was effective on St. Patrick's Day. From a business perspective, Sean, I didn't think I was going to be asking you about this, but what kind of a business agreement is it for you to work with these delivery services from a profitability standpoint? Is it eating into more than you're used to, or is this just a necessary evil for you guys to maintain some type of openness and then continue to get the product out to the customer base? Yeah, I was on a restaurant industry podcast, and I was talking about basically our thesis for all businesses, not just restaurants, is that In digital hospitality, every business has to be digital. You have to have a digital footprint. You have to be an e-commerce company. You have to sell a good or product online. You also have to be in the hospitality business. So in the hospitality business, no matter what business you're in, you have to care about people. Um, The coronavirus has directly attacked people. It has directly attacked 70% of our thesis, our business. And for us, it is... It's been devastating, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it's been devastating to write a letter. I wish I could have called every employee. Unfortunately, I couldn't. Um, but I sent out a letter to 55 of our employees, that um, my wife, myself, my attorney, my general manager, Stover, um, that we all took time to put our heart into. But how, how do you tell people basically what they already know? I mean, the governor came on and told restaurants that they're closed, but they still need to hear from leadership. They need to hear from the owner what's happening. And um, basically what we're telling them is unfortunately right now we don't need servers and bartenders and we're going to try like hell to keep open. We're going to try like hell to keep this, make this make sense. You know, you had Sam, the cooking guy on and, you know, his two restaurants are incredible. Gray's, he just opened Gray's. Uh, Not Not Tacos, incredible. Could he do delivery? Yes, but they're also in a food hall. It's also a place where people come and they gather. And like I said, this virus is attacking the heart of hospitality. And that is the thing that as humans, that's what makes us us. You know, there's so many restaurant owners with different types of backgrounds, but we care about people. We want people close. We bring them into our home. That's what we consider our restaurant. You know, our, our house is your house. And to be in a position where we're telling people to stay away from each other, it's just, it's been a very, very, um, a very weird couple of weeks. Do you have employees that are checking in for some type of a, a lifeblood saying, hey, uh, are we coming back this week? Are we coming back next week? 
Or did you just say, hey, it's a layoff until further notice? All of our employees, they're able to file for unemployment. But we're we're very fortunate that we have people that get it. Um, they buy into our mission um, that even though they're a server and a bartender, and they make significantly more uh, more than minimum wage, that they're willing to do whatever they can to help the cause, to help the restaurant, to help the community. Um, you know, we are providing an essential service uh, to the community. And by doing that, we're really reducing the flow of people having to go to the grocery stores. I mean, you've seen the you've seen the social media on Costco, on Ralph's, you name it, where, wherever you live, you've seen people going to the store. And that that's not social distancing. Um, you know, if, so if there's restaurants that are able to stay open, and the sad thing is most restaurants aren't set up like we are. They don't have a strong social presence. Um, they can't do a call to action on Twitter or go on Instagram or go on Facebook or send out an email or write a blog, you know, which Stover has been instrumental in helping us do um, to get the word out so that people know, hey, oh, Cali Comfort, they've done all this good stuff in the community. Let's go and support them because they sponsored our little league team or they came to our local church or, you know, or they even came to our radio station or they came. I mean, we've had Tabitha Lipkin came and she just bought food to go take to Fox 5, our local Fox affiliate. Just yesterday, Lisa Ann, who's an incredible friend, she purchased you know $250 worth of gift cards, which inspired multiple other people um, in the Dave and Jeff show podcast community to purchase more gift cards. I mean, literally by one, her one tweet, we probably sold $1,000 in gift cards, mm-hmm. which is huge revenue for us. But I know that we're, we're in the minority. You know, it's very rare that a restaurant can do what we're able to do. Essentially, we're running a new restaurant. You know, if I look at the sales, our sales were down 50% from last year, but they were up a thousand from the day before. So you can look at it either way. You can either say this is the worst thing, or this is an opportunity to stay, to fight, provide a service to the community, to provide jobs. But we have to do that in a safe manner. So let me ask a two-part follow-up question. First part's going to go to Stover here. Do you think, given the climate that we're in now and everything that traditional restaurants are experiencing, that this is going to be a situation that will force these businesses that aren't taking what Sean is already talking about, digital footprint, digital media, all this other stuff, e-commerce, that this will force them to become a better portion of the restaurant industry? Yeah, and I I think it's going to take a lot of us working together and continuing to work together in the hospitality industry, but just in business in general. We believe that a rising tide lifts all ships. We also know that right now it feels like there's a life raft, and that's digital media, digital presence, a website that people can use, takeout delivery, and, and we want to help people get on that life raft as best as possible because we know if you don't take big steps in this era, then big things are going to happen and it'll probably mean the end of your business. And I I wholeheartedly believe that um, if you don't take major changes when things like this happen, your business will go away. And that's a very sobering reality for a lot of people right now as they're out of work. We should all be helping each other. So if you know how to make a website, help your fellow restaurant owner make a website. If you know how to do takeout or delivery like we do, we're trying to share with as many other small restaurants as possible so we can all adapt because it's necessary. People just don't want to leave their houses right now and that's okay. And we want them to be fed. Not everyone knows how to make barbecue and let's not forget that. And sometimes people want barbecue and they should get barbecue. I mean, this is America, right? And that's why restaurants like Cali BBQ and and so many others I've seen online are doing everything they can to adapt. Sean, the business I'm going to imagine isn't, wasn't based on what a lot of people these days think about when it comes to barbecue. You get in a line, you walk up, they cut it, 
and you leave kind of like that fast casual. You have more of a dine-in experience. You have the big bar. So is a takeout business model for businesses that aren't traditionally set up for this kind of operation, are they the ones that are most in jeopardy? Some of them right from the beginning have been kind of a walk-up, walk-out. So it's not that big of an adjustment for them. Maybe they're not seeing the revenue numbers that they were on a day-to-day basis for the last week and a half, but the model was already put in place. But fine dining isn't predicated upon that. A number of other uh, restaurants in the industry aren't predicated on that or built like that. So are they the ones that are most in jeopardy? Yeah, I would say so. The amount of restaurants that are going to close and never open again, its it, the numbers are going to be staggering. I mean, National Restaurant Association said just the economic loss is $225 billion in the next three months. That's a number that's even hard to, to quantify. Um, I know personally, you know, Dan Sobeck, he owns Corner Draft House right in downtown San Diego, and he's right on a major thoroughfare in downtown where they have the St. Patrick's Day parade. And that day he does $30,000 in business for that parade. And he didn't know he was shutting down. So he ordered a bunch of food. He has extra booze. He ended up having to not even do takeout. So he, he's closed for good. You know, I'm friends with Victor Lopez. He has Mexican restaurants. So he, he's actually more built. He's less like us. He's more built for the takeout side. He didn't lay off as many people as I did. And he's seen you know, a 25% decrease in his business, which is understandable. And he's having the same concerns that we're having is how do we continue to operate? How do we continue to provide an essential service, but do it in a way that we're not losing money and, and killing ourselves and putting lives at risk, honestly. From a business perspective, Sean, as we look over the next handful of months, if you continue to be in whatever operating arena that you're in now, can you continue to weather the storm month after month after month or... Does some point enough time elapse where you have to close permanently? I consider myself a very resilient person. Um, I've got Bulgarian blood, that Mamba mentality that we we like to think, and the last thing we want to do. We, you know, I heard uh, Amy Mills actually. She did a Facebook post, an Instagram post, um, talking about her and Mike Mills and Seventeenth Street Barbecue, and their plan is to always be the first one at the competition and the last one standing, the last one serving. And those are the people that I've always tended to migrate to. Those are the people that have my lifeblood. They have my DNA. And our plan is to stay in business no matter what. I think that we have enough community support. Um, Having operated for 11 years, having been able to do incredible things in the community, give back whenever we can give back, people are still supporting us. I mean, the, the amount of engagement that we're getting on Twitter, on Instagram, of people coming and picking up food, they're offering to come and do free deliveries. Um, you know, we, we have people that are driving food to other people that can't pay for food and they're paying for it out of their own pockets just because they want to do good. And, you know, the coronavirus might attack, you know, the hospitality side of our thesis, but you can't, you can't attack humanity. People are human and they want to do good. And, you know, the, this coronavirus isn't going to get rid of us, but it's certainly going to make the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry, retail in general, look different. Nick Solaris had mentioned a couple of days ago that Perhaps folks don't realize how the majority of restaurants are operating. And you can speak to this, obviously, because you're headlong into it being an owner. You're in business for 11 years, but it's not like you also have $12 million or $50 million in a savings account somewhere because you've been able to make it that long and you have all these great profit margins, blah, blah, blah. It is, uh, from Nick's account, tenuous strings on tender hooks. Is that more or less how you see the majority of restaurants operating? Yeah, so we work with a company called Restaurant Solutions, Inc., and um, we also work with restaurantowner.com, and they're a profitable independent restaurant 
typically makes four to six pennies on the dollar. And that's if they're running it like an Applebee's, like a corporate model. And that's if they have systems in place. They've been around long enough to understand that. And depending on the age of the building, what their lease is, what their rent is, so many restaurants, it's a week-to-week business. And even before the coronavirus, sales have been down for, for us as well as the industry. Because there's just a lot of competing factors. Um, there's the digital side. There's, you know, you asked about Uber Eats. You asked about, you know, DoorDash. Those companies they take twenty to thirty percent, and that's not profitable for restaurants. So, why do we do it? We do it because we know customers are there. We know that it's a delivery option. Obviously, we would much rather have people order it through our website because we don't pay anybody for that. But then we put people at risk having to come and pick it up. Then we're putting an Uber driver at risk for having to come and get it. So. You know, there's a lot of things at play, but as long as we look at it day by day, how do we be better today from yesterday? And given we have an incredible team here, you know, Eric, my general manager, Ian, Victor, Lisa, Stephen, they're making changes every day to our procedures to make sure that people stay away from each other. You know, it's such a hard thing to do because we're a business that tells people to come and sit, you know, sit at the bar, sit next to each other. You know, you're a Broncos fan, sit next, sit next to the Chargers fan. Now we're telling you, well, how about you stay six feet away? How about let's all stay safe and you stay six feet away? So it's a challenge, but if we stay in the short term and we do the best job we can today, everything should hopefully work out as long as, uh, you know, people that are getting paid much more than I am to hopefully find a cure, find a vaccine. I can't tell you how much my wife and I talk about the firefighters, the healthcare professionals, the people that are putting their lives at risk, um, fighting this thing. When you when you read about Italy, you read about China, it's bad. And the stuff that we're doing now is unprecedented, but it's unprecedented for a reason. And people need to take that serious. You know, it's it, it's not social distance. We actually need to keep physical distance. And that's the message that people need to to get out there and you know, as much as I want to keep the restaurant open, I want to do that with physical distance, but I also want to be able to serve those firefighters. We, we're working, hopefully, this week, we're going to start serving our local San Miguel firefighters lunch and dinner because their chief doesn't want them going out into the grocery stores. They want them fed from a place that they know that we're taking all the standards needed to make sure that our, our team is safe so that our first responders are there. They're able to uh, do their job, protect us. Sean, let me back up just for a second as we talk about these food delivery apps. And this will be a question for both of you because maybe you have competing opinions on this. Stover, let me start with you first. Since Cali Comfort goes to this model now and you're making agreements with DoorDash and Uber Eats and so forth, once we finally become resolved of this coronavirus, is that something that a customer will now expect to have available to them going forward? What I believe is that however a customer wants to get food, we will do everything we can to give them that food safely and promptly. Of course, every, every business has to stay in business. And I believe um, it's always a negotiating factor for business owners who have to have these um, services. But the reality is being on different platforms is one more way that a customer can discover your business. And if you're not being found online you're probably not being found. And if they have one of their favorite apps that they search every day for your restaurant, and you're not on there, then there's probably a percentage of customers that haven't heard of you yet. So there is potential there. I do not like 25% of anything. If, if you had a manager and they said, we're taking 25%, you're like, are you crazy? 10%, right? 10% makes sense. What I do want to point out is these companies, all the ones you mentioned and more, just like so many around the world, are actually helping by eliminating some of these fees and doing other ways uh, to protect 
their customers and streamline their operations for the time being, of course. It takes a deft hand to run a restaurant or any business these days. 2020 and beyond, it's, it's only going to get more difficult. So again, we all need to band together. All right, Sean. So let me ask you the follow-up question here is the guy that's running the business and that's the owner. Maybe it's nice to get a little bit of a reprieve from dealing with some of these food delivery places or food delivery apps where the fee isn't as much as it would normally be, but at some point that will correct itself as Stover just alluded to. 25 and 30% makes no sense to me. I could probably make an argument that who gives a shit, stay off of those, and you're saving that fee. Who cares if they're finding you or not? Is there an issue with a customer getting a set expectation now in this climate versus a traditional business climate? You know, I think we're in a unique position that we've always been able to pivot. We opened a breakfast concept and added a full service sports bar um, in a community that people said couldn't have dinner. We had a menu that was all over the place. Uh, We became a craft barbecue restaurant. We became a media company. Our ability to pivot is just taking a look and taking a listen to our guests. So however they're responding to us on Facebook, on Yelp, on Twitter, in person, um, telling us what they want and how they want it, um, and then making the best decision based off of the numbers. You know, we have to take a look and see, you know, how many are we getting, how many orders are we getting from one platform? How many are we getting from another platform? What are they charging us? Um, what are they doing? Because every partnership's different. Um, you know, there's, there, there's the agreement and then what happens beyond the agreement. And for us, any partnership that we go into, obviously we're trying to go well above and beyond the agreement so that people do what they're doing right now, which is they're coming back to support us because they know that whenever they've called on Cali Comfort in the past, we've stepped up and we've been there for them. Realistically, yeah, no, we won't have three different platforms once this thing is all said and done. We're going to want to have probably one platform, if not our own platform. But if we pretend that we can get food to all these distribution points, we're kidding ourselves. If we pretend like we can get to all these customers that are on those platforms, we're kidding ourselves. Right now, it's an ability to add those platforms, put in the systems, put in the the procedures that we need to get great food out to all those people and hopefully get new customers that actually want to come into the restaurant when this thing is over. They fall in love with the barbecue and maybe they order a catering for their wedding. We become part of their family. That's the plan. That's the ultimate plan. Do I like the 25%? No, absolutely not. Let's look at what restaurant landscape might look like as we get on the other side of this coronavirus. Stover, we'll start with you. Nick Solara said two days ago that he wouldn't be surprised to see 60% of restaurants that we know, whether they be small, medium, large, be completely wiped out as this thing ends. Your thought on that? The number I heard this morning, which which was a terrifying thought and potential reality, is 75% of small businesses will not survive this. They don't have enough revenue to keep going after this tragedy. And we're talking restaurants whose names you can't remember, but you ate at when you were 12. A place that you went with your best friend one time after they broke up with their girlfriend and they told you a story over tacos. A Chinese place that you went, you got takeout on on a first date. Like Places that you take for granted are literally shuddering. I think about it every day because food's so important to me and, and our culture and all of us that when you think that that taste is going to disappear, it makes you sad. All I can think is I live in kind of a relatively small town and thinking of 75% of these restaurants I pass every day going away makes me terribly sad. Sean, are you in agreement with a 60% or more elimination of restaurants once we're all done? I would be surprised if it's not closer to 80% is the sad reality. But you know, to Stover's point, I just moved to a new community in, in San Diego called East Lake and 
you know, they have a lot of corporate restaurants, but they also have a lot of mom and pop restaurants. And, you know, I joined one of the neighborhood Facebook groups and there was a girl, she said, you know, my, my mom and my dad, they, they have a, a Vietnamese restaurant. Many of you have been there. They don't have a presence on social media. If you could please go out and give them your support. Um, they are open. They are taking the safety measures. But, you know, that's one example of somebody that has a daughter that understands digital, that knows where people are, where people are actually saying, where can we go and support these local restaurants? They have a chance. But what that chance is, is not as good as our chance because it's not just one post. It's multiple posts. It's Twitter. It's Facebook. It's Yelp. It's your website. It's asking for gift cards. The best thing that we did, which was always the, the worst thing that we did, was open in Spring Valley in 2008 at the height of the economic crash. Because we did that, we learned that no one was going to come through our doors because there was a, a, a Charger game in town. No one was going to come to our doors because the Rolling Stones was in town. No one gives a shit about our part of the community. So we had to fight like hell to tell people we're here. We're going to do an incredible job when you get here, and we serve incredible barbecue, so come on out. Thankfully, that, that, that has put us in the position where we are now, where we feel as confident that we do, that we're not going to be part of that statistic. I had spoke with Sam Zion yesterday, and you're obviously fairly close proximity to him, so I need to rehash exactly what you guys are under as far as the restrictions. California is certainly a leader in restricting to just the essential services at this point. Ohio actually mandated the same thing about an hour or two ago. So we're all kind of in lockstep at this point. Let's talk about how the virus is affecting you personally. What are you doing to make sure that you and your family and your besties are not there being part of the problem instead of part of the solution? That's a great question. You know, I've started to do every single day I, I wake up and I do a sunrise gratitude run. Today was day 70. Are you really running? Which is, I'm, I'm running, hiking, walking. So it depends on the day, but every day it's at least a minimum of an hour. Um, of me being outside for doing physical activity with the sunrise. I've been fortunate to have people join me on the walk because of social. They've started to come out. I mean, I've had up to four people join me, um, which is which is just crazy to think that at 6 a.m. you can get people from driving a half an hour to come and meet you to do, because they can do it from their house. Yeah. But, you know, I've talked to my wife about it, and she doesn't really feel comfortable encouraging people to come and even though we maintain six feet of distance and you know that's something that's personal to me that, that happened way before this coronavirus dave palais who has the dave and jeff podcast who we talked about with lisa ann that's why she supports the restaurant you know he, he's been on those walks and it's been a huge benefit to him um, personally and it's been a huge benefit to me because i get to spend time with him but you know it's is that the right thing to be doing no it's probably not you know i, I went with my wife and my daughter and my son my daughter's going to be one this summer. My son's going to be three. Um, we took a walk in the neighborhood and kept our distance from anybody else that was out there. Obviously, there's more people walking now than I've ever walked ever, I think. Yeah. Um, which is pretty funny because you tell, tell, tell someone they can't do something and then next thing you know, everyone's out doing it. We were out walking and there was another boy, a young couple, and they saw my son and they, you know, they, they wanted to play. Like My son wants to know, where's the playground, Dad? Right. You can't explain the coronavirus to adults. How, do, how are you supposed to explain it to a three-year-old? What do you mean I can't go to the playground? And that sucks. It sucks to tell him he can't play with the little boy. Um, it sucks to tell him, you know, you're going to have to play with your sister. But, you know, there's a lot worse positions that you, we can be in. All we can do is one day at a time be grateful for the things that we do have. Stover, what are you guys doing there in the Pacific Northwest? Oh, we're hunkering down. It's, it's our specialty. When we hear something's coming, we just... I haven't seen the sun since I moved from Austin to Portland. You know, one thing that I think we, that has been great for our family 
is we've done a lot better with food waste and conserving our food because it's not that I think we're going to run out of food. I always feel privileged and fortunate with how my life has gone. I, I, I feel like we can get food. A lot of people can't. And I want to make sure those people can get more food so we don't have to buy it. So I want to implore all the barbecue people and everyone listening to remember food waste is really important because just remember those calories. Uh, don't go to the store unless you need to and all that type of stuff. But um, cooking is, has been a great joy of mine throughout my life. I lost track of it. We've been building a podcast and a media presence so much that I, I forget sometimes to cook. Uh, and I've been doing a lot more of that for my family. And, and that has gotten us through it, the joy of food. And thankfully, I stockpiled tons of scallops and fine Italian meats uh, in my fridge, ready to go. So we're eating like kings for the time being and making sure to use everything. How is this impacting you, Greg? And honestly, it hasn't been that big of a change. I mean, I never go anywhere. Uh, I get invited to go all sorts of really cool places, and I always tell people I'll go. But we all know I'm never going anywhere. So the <laughs> traveling jet wouldn't even bring him. Yeah, we the, offered yeah. him a private jet to San Diego to come out to the bet on barbecue. No way. This is and, correct. Uh, he declined the private jet. That's right. Work wise, uh, during the day job, the biggest transition has been. Now I'm not out making any type of sales calls, but getting moved into the major accounts position, there was a lot of videoing and emailing and phone calls anyway before I could actually get a sit-down meeting. So over the last week, it has really transitioned into sending a lot of emails and communicating that way or doing it through telephone calls and then saying, hey, if we want to meet or we think we're we're coming to a position now where we would want to have further discussions in person, let's pick some dates into the future. We'll see if those work when they start to approach. And if not, we'll push them back out. Other than that, I mean, I'm not in a, in a in a danger at this point of losing a job or getting furloughed or getting laid off just because of what I do. Uh, trucking is going to be more important than ever here over the next handful of weeks and months. So that benefits me being in the trucking industry. And then obviously from a show perspective, uh, there's no detriment to the show because I'm I'm not out doing a live show anywhere. It's all done through the internet. So that's a, a great positive. And to that point, I'm trying to provide an extra service of doing these bonus shows because people are home and people are having all this extra time. They have eight hours a day, perhaps more that they never had, and they're going to have weeks of it. So why not offer up some topical information and some thoughts from respected people in the industry and give people you know, another 30 or, or 40 minutes of entertainment before the really big show hits on Tuesday for another two hours. So I'm just trying to, to get along now from a personal side. Look, I got an 18-year-old daughter in college who wants to be out. I got a 17-year-old junior in high school. She wants to be out. I got a 14-year-old eighth grader. She wants to be out. And they aren't unlike the bags in Florida who are frequenting <laughs> beaches and have no regard for human life and personal safety. They want to go People are out. frequenting beaches in Oregon and California and everywhere. And, yes. Yes. and so, it sounds fun. You have It's not a vacation, everyone. Please, a, a good reminder. I think where the mindset that we're continuing to try and battle with is I'm 18, I'm 17, I'm 14, I'm super healthy. You know, one's a collegiate athlete. Even if I get it, I'm going to be able to overcome it. It's not going to be any worse than maybe a flu and maybe not even that bad. And the thing that we have to keep going back to is we get it. We know you don't want to be home. We don't want to keep you home. This isn't enjoyable for us as parents of three teenagers saying, hey, you can't go anywhere. Well, can I just have so-and-so come over one person? No, you can't have one fucking 
person come over to this house and you can't leave because I don't know who those other people have been around. So you're dealing with that. And then you're also trying to continue the battle of, well, what happens if you go out and certainly you're in a position where you can recover? Okay. But what if you get in contact with somebody who is compromised or they are elderly and they're not able to put up the same fight that your body is? That's not fair to them to put them in that kind of a situation. So that's more of the day-to-day thing that we're talking about. And as they watch the news and they hear our governor talk and the head doctor of the state of Ohio talk, they're coming around and there's not as many battles as there were a week ago, I can tell you that. And that kind of transitions us into the the other side of that question was... Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Should we expect any... Uh TikTok videos with you and your daughter the same way Mark Cuban does. Oh, or Gordon I, Ramsay. I, I think this. I think the yeah, Central yeah. Light, the Centralites would love some TikTok of Greg and his daughters. Oh, I'm a centralite, and I'm, yeah. I want this now. Yeah, you guys could do that right now. That's the <laughs> right power. Now. Of the we might be doing the yes. renegade uh, all together as a family. You might be looking for that. <laughs> well, very- coming soon on the Barbecue Central show, you're going to be able to hear Greg sing, Sean. American oh. Idol Barbecue Central show edition will be taking place on Tuesday night. I'll, I'll put it on for the family yeah. dinner. We'll, we'll, uh, okay. We're going Barbecue Central with family dinner use, time now. Use plastic, no glass, because you never know what could happen depending on the notes that are hit. All right, so the other side to my question was, as we look at what you're doing to prevent, what about positives that you have found? Maybe you weren't looking for positives. For me, it is spending the time with the three girls that I wouldn't have had. Um, Traditionally, Bobby would have been at college uh, outside of the hip surgery that she had. So she was going to be home anyway, luckily, I guess. But she's home. And then I have the other two. And there's a lot more family time, forced family time. But now it's enjoyed to a point where we're looking or, or Becky and I are talking to each other at night going, man, you know, these are times now that we're really relishing and we like the fact that we're having conversations and being a travel sport parent, I'm in a unique spot or my wife and I are in a unique spot where for five months out of a year, we do have extended periods of time with, with whatever athletes in season, four-hour car rides, five-hour car rides, six-hour car rides. So there's been years, you know, with Bobby, it was a four- or five-year run where we could have conversations that nobody else was having with their kids and sport was allowing us to do that. That was a great benefit. So we were starting to do that with our youngest one. And now we're able to all be home and have these conversations that, uh, you know, perhaps we weren't because in real life, I'm working eight hours and nine hours a day. And also there's going to be a two or three hour volleyball practice three days a week. And then we're going to be leaving on the weekend for volleyball. All that's gone. The fact that we've been able to recapture some real quality family time has been a tremendous bonus for me and probably the thing that I'll remember the most out of this. What about for you, Sean? I think that time is coming for me. Uh, The last two weeks have been kind of crisis management, trying to figure out what's happening to our business, what's happening to our staff. How do we just keep this thing going um, in a responsible manner? To your point, yeah, my my son, he just started daycare um, about, I'd say, six months ago, and he was thriving. He was, you know, the school was doing such a good job, and he loved going to school. He loved interacting with the kids, and, you know, he misses that. But now I know that my wife and I, we're going to have time to spend with him and my daughter teaching them things that, you know, typically I would never be able to do um, because of just of, of my work. You know, I'm, I'm going to plan my schedule somewhat to, to work from home. I, I know right off the bat, you know, the Digital Hospitality Podcast, every single interview we've done is in person, mm-hmm. um, especially now with our video team, you know, Aaron and Brandon you know, they do such a phenomenal job adding video content and behind the scenes content of the interviews that we're doing. But because of the situation we're in, I just don't think it's responsible going out and doing that. So, you know, I've got great breaking news is that 
we are going to be interviewing the greatest barbecue journalist on the face of the planet, someone that should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Greg Rempe will be a guest on Digital Hospitality thanks to the coronavirus. So there is something positive. Silver linings, ladies and gentlemen. No, yes. And we're saving you on the jet fuel, by the way. You're welcome. This is true. This is true. This, so, this is how we do agreements in digital hospitality. We do them over digital media. So will you come on the show, Greg? Yeah, absolutely. Will you tell us all the deep, dark secrets that all the centralites want to know? Oh, yes. I've been waiting yes. for this opportunity for years. Greg's always about everybody else. Now, we want to know about Greg. We want to know about how, because you are a pioneer in the podcast space. You've been doing digital media before it was cool. Everything that you've done, we, we are huge fans of your show. Honored to call you a friend and grateful for just the foundation that you laid. You've transitioned. Your show has changed. And why has it changed? How has it changed? How have you responded to adding video, bringing on sponsors? All these things are super important to the radio industry, to the newspaper industry, to the media industry, to business in general, to small business. I think it's very vital that people hear your story. Uh, Stover, silver linings for you. You know, I, I echo what you guys say. I have a, a burgeoning family right now, and I am fortunate enough to have already been working from home. Um, you know, we have a coast, to, uh, west coast uh, domination here. I'm up in the northwest coast, and Sean is in the southwest coast, and we're able to work remotely every day, just like we're in the same room. So we were already prepared for this in a, in a way. So one of the biggest things that I've found is, I'm sure this is shared by everyone here, is you're starting to hear from people you haven't heard from for decades. Right. And I know it's true. And you find ways to relate. Our old conversations have been rekindled that you haven't had for 15 years. I have this silly-looking headset on my head because I... I ordered it online thanks i got it um, to play video games with my friend who i haven't done in 10 years who lives in new york we're both we're both at home and i started thinking what was my life before this because it's now either before corona and after corona and i think we're all sort of reaching back and connecting with those that we've maybe lost touch with and i think that is a silver lining and I think we should be doing more of that. And everyone should have a barbecue podcast. Aside from everybody having a barbecue podcast, <laughs> <coughs> what can Cali Digital help with if anybody's interested in trying to make that next step or make that barrier to entry, but there's some aversion or nervousness to do that? What's the best way to do it, John? I mean, I think the best thing right now is to ask for help. Um, that's one of the biggest challenges that I know people face. I know personally I faced. Um, I started working with uh, a business coach uh, and my mentor, David Meltzer. He's taught me the power of asking for help and um, the power of receiving. And I think that's something that as men, um, as leaders, as restaurant owners, we're always, we'll figure the shit out ourselves. There's nothing that I can't figure out. I'll just Google it or I'll ask. You have to know what you don't know and bringing people onto your team, bringing Stover onto my team to do the podcast, to do the journalism, to do the blogging, bringing Kyle from Mithral Media to do the mobile-first website, to enable gift card sales online, to enable our mobile-first ordering, bringing Aaron and Brandon who do the video. Uh, those were vital steps for me to create Cali Barbecue Media to offer to other businesses, and not just restaurants, but other we have Josh from American Factory Wheel. He owns a, a, an aftermarket stock stock rim company. That's an essential service. It's an auto repair service. It's an essential service. But 
if you think of how many auto repair businesses there are that have zero social presence, that have zero internet presence, he's been able to tell all of his customers, all of his fans, that he is open because people need to get to the pharmacy still. They still need to get to the grocery store. Firefighters still need to get to work. And if your wheels are damaged and they need to get fixed, yes, his service is open to go get that done. But everyone that listens to your show, they all have local restaurants that they go to. You know, some of those restaurants that have decided to stay in business, that are fighting like hell, like we are, to stay in business, they need they need your support. Um, go out and support them. And they might need your help socially, too. You know, share the message that take a picture of your to-go food and post it on Facebook, post it on Twitter, post it on Instagram and tag them and let them know thank you. Post it in the food groups uh, in, in your local community because those things don't underestimate how much that means to a business owner and especially right now when people are at home looking for – I'll tell you what. People don't – you can buy as much food as you want from Costco. You can buy as much food as you want from the grocery store. You will not cook three meals a day, seven days a week. We're Americans. We don't do that. That's yep. just not how we're built. I put on Twitter that Sam the Cooking Guy is going to get millions of new subscribers from the coronavirus. I, I stay true to that. Yeah. I will be shocked if that doesn't happen quicker um, instead of later because people are at home and the content that Sam the Cooking Guy provides is the best content because people can learn how to be uncomfortable cooking. You don't have to be an expert, and that's that's why that's what makes Sam the best. And I know all your all, all the Centralites are all subscribers to Sam already, but go out and support your local restaurant. And if you don't want to go out, order through DoorDash, order for delivery, or just reach out to them and tell them to contact us if they need help. Stover, your thoughts on that? Everyone should just ask for help when they need it. And it all starts with the conversation. So we want people out there, if they have any questions or or anything, just to go on our website and find one of the many forms we have available to just sign up for the newsletter, reach out to us, email us, subscribe to the podcast, message us on social slide media, in, however. Slide into our DMs. Please, every day. Weird. We just want to have a conversation and talk to you because that's what social media is all about. Digital hospitality, which is the name of our podcast, is a very real thing that we believe in wholeheartedly. Every business in 2020 and beyond has to be in the digital business, and every business in 2020 and beyond has to be in the hospitality business. There's no question. And so if you have a question on that, please reach out. You can email podcast at media if you have a question. He is Stover Harger, the marketing guy for Cali Comfort. And, and, and it's Stover, Stover BBQ, the barbecue hunk. The barbecue hunk, right. <laughs> and uh, owner of Cali Comfort Barbecue, Sean Walchef, joining me here. Guys, really appreciate the time this afternoon. Thanks so much for doing it. Well, we're grateful for you, Greg. Stay love safe. You, Greg. See the TikTok video.